You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Just a couple of uh, other notices. Um, the Knit and Natter is on on Tuesday uh, in the Mance, in the Mance at 7, 7 o'clock, 7.30, 7.30. So um, if you'd like to come and knit and natter, what better thing to do on a Tuesday evening? You're all very welcome. And if you don't know where the Mance is, just ask me on the way out or speak to Annabelle. And then, speaking of Annabelle, uh, now that she's a granny, she can't do all that she used to do, and uh, that includes uh, making tea and coffee all on her own for Phil and Laura at their wedding. So, if anyone's able to help with that at all, please do speak to her and let her know. You'd be very welcome. And of course, you are invited to Phil and Laura's wedding, which will be at 12.30 on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. And thanks to all who helped uh, with Simon and Kirstine's wedding as well. And if anyone else would like a wedding, please talk to me uh, as well. Let's turn to God's Word. Let's turn to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look, uh, continue uh, to look at the Beatitudes. We're going to look at one in particular. But I'll read from the beginning of Matthew 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then this is the one we're particularly looking at. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Preaching on blessed are the meek, it may be that one or two of you think that me preaching on blessed are the meek is a bit like Donald Trump preaching on humility. Um, but that's because you have the wrong impression of what meekness is. It's a, it's a difficult thing to explain. Uh, if I asked any of the children to explain what it was, I, I'm not sure that any of the adults would do much better. So let's look at it in this way. Christians should be different to the people around us. We should be a puzzle. We should be an enigma, not because we're weird and we're odd, um, not because of the way that we dress and so on, but people looking at us and saying, why are they like that? This poverty of spirit and mourning over sin, what it does, it makes us meek. Now, what does that mean? It's not what the world expects, and it's not what's usually associated with uh, religion. World conquest given to the meek is what is said here. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, do, can you think of a single leader? I'm sorry to have mentioned Mr. Trump, but since I started, I'll finish. Uh, he's not standing up when he's going around saying to people, well, America's just going to be okay. America's great, and I'm going to put the great back into America, and I'll do this, and I'll build a wall, and I'll, you know, and people lap it up because they want that. And when you think about world leaders, you know, Putin riding his horses and stripping semi-naked before diving into ice-cold baths, you know, look at me, I'm a real strong man. 
and I can do this, and you mess with me, and this is what will happen. And uh, you, any of our leaders even, they, they want to respond in a way which suggests that meekness is not one of their key qualities. But that's not just true for world leaders. I think that's true at a cultural level as well. In our culture, the more you assert yourself, the more you organize and demonstrate your own powers and ability, the more likely you are to succeed or to get on. And that was a real problem for the Jews and for the Jewish disciples. Jesus teaches his disciples, and they are a culture that were expecting a Messiah who would be really strong and really powerful. And the language would be used of conquest and fighting and victory and defeat. And Christ says, no, I'm not like that. And it's a problem for us because we talk about let's get together and let's fight and so on. And there's an imagery and language within the scriptures which indicates that's the right thing to do. We fight the good fight and so on. But the way that we fight is very different And it was interesting for me, I was reading and thinking about something, and in particular, thinking about uh, social media and some of the stuff that goes on and some personal stuff that happens. And and I, I was praying, I was saying, Lord, just help me to know how to respond to this. And I read in God's Word about a gentle answer turning away wrath and about not asserting ourselves. It's not our power, and it's not our organization that will win. It is our meekness and humility. So, having seen that, what is it? What is meekness? And, well, let's let's begin by saying what it's not. It's not a a lack of backbone. You don't say of someone, oh, they're really meek just because they're a wet blanket that you walk all over. That's not what it means. In fact, it requires a great deal of backbone to be meek. Meekness is not weakness. It is not spinelessness. Meekness is compatible with great strength, great authority, and great power. Secondly, it's not natural disposition. Every Christian is to be like this. In other words, it's not a a personal temperament thing. There are some of you here, and you're bouncy and joyful, and others of you have... um, very short fuses, very passionate. Uh, Some are quite prone to discouragement. Some are quite prone to be loud and and, uh, and assertive, and others are more quiet and submissive. And maybe people will say, well, that's what meekness is. No, it's not. It is not a natural quality. It is to be a developed fruit of the Spirit. Every Christian is to be like this. Moses Numbers 12.3, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That verse always intrigued me because Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So did he write, now I'm the most humble man on the face of the earth? No, I don't think he did. Uh, There are parts of the books, and that's why it's in brackets there. But why, why was Moses humble? Because he wasn't really Acts 7.24 says this, Moses saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. 
Moses was a prince. Moses was strong. Moses was powerful. He saw one of his people being beaten, and Moses went and defended him and killed the person who was attacking him. And Acts goes on to explain, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. And therefore, Moses had to spend 40 years in the wilderness shepherding sheep in order to learn how to shepherd God's people. So here's the thing. If you're going to pray for meekness, because it's a quality and Jesus is blessed other meek and you want to be blessed, in order to teach you meekness, it's going to be a long and uh, slow and sometimes painful process. So it's not a lack of backbone. It's not natural disposition. It's not flabbiness, niceness, weakness in personality or character. It's not merely biological. It's not the person who, whatever happens, they avoid a fight. You know, it's like a couple in a relationship, and you could say, imagine, I'm sure this never ever happens, but imagine that, uh, let's say, the woman is constantly, constantly nagging on or wanting to pick a fight, and the guy just goes, okay, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, okay, fine, basically just goes along with everything. That's not meekness. Or a situation in a church where you know that there's something not right, you know that there's something not good, but to face up to that is going to cause a lot of pain, a lot of hassle, and a lot of trouble. So you say, well, I'm just going to back off because, you know, Jesus wants us to be meek and peaceful, and I don't want to cause trouble, and I don't want to cause hassle, and and so on. That is not what meekness is. What is it then? The clue is... Blessed are the poor in spirit, because there's an order here. So that goes to blessed are those who mourn, and that leads on to meekness. And I think that when you understand that, blessed are the poor in spirit, we saw that that means that we realize how weak we are and how we need Christ and that we've got nothing in ourselves. Mourning is that we mourn for our own sin and we mourn for other people's sin. But meekness is the way we react to ourselves and the way we react to other people. So, meekness is not something you can really fake all that well. It's how we respond, how we react. You get lots of biblical examples. Abraham and Lot, for example, where Lot is kind of really pushy about where he wants to go. And Abraham says, okay, you can go. David and Saul. Uh, Stephen. Um, With Paul, the meekness of Stephen as he's been stoned to death. So I'd describe meekness in this way. Meekness is someone who's learned to submit himself or herself to the Lord and be gentle with sinners. Someone who's willing to suffer rather than inflict injury, not just outwardly, but also uh, internally, also the inner spirit. It's not just somebody who restrains themselves from hitting other people, but someone who loses the desire to do so. Someone who does not retaliate, someone who does not hold resentment, someone who does not hold grudges, because you can back off from a situation, you can say, okay, I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to behave in this way, and so on, and people will go, well, that's great, isn't it wonderful how the way they've reacted, but inwardly, 
you can have a resentment and that resentment can lead to bitterness and that bitterness can poison you in many ways in your own life and in your relationships with other people. So it's not resentment, there's no grudges, there's no spirit of retaliation. There is patience and long-suffering. And when I say all of that, I look in a mirror, and you can look in a mirror, and there's not many of us could in all honesty say that we are meek. It's someone who dies to self-righteousness, someone who is not asserting our own rights, someone who's not always mega-sensitive about ourselves, always watching ourselves, always being on the defensive. I think it's a great part of the curse that we are very self-aware, that we are always watching ourselves, often full of self-pity. Sometimes some of us are daft enough to think how wonderful I am if only people would realize. But most of us, I think, are full of self-pity in a different way, that we've been treated unfairly and treated badly. And I suspect that some of you here, you probably have resentments against people in your own family, people close to you, people in your church, maybe people in this church, maybe me, who knows? And you just weren't treated right. Just something was done wrong and it hurt. I I can think of situations personally for myself where that is the case. A meek person is somebody who's not worried about what people say about us because we know worse. In other words, whatever they say about us, it can't be as bad as we know. And that's quite hard. It's quite hard to have that level of self-awareness and not to despair. And so the meek person is somebody who leaves everything in the hand of the Lord who cares for and loves them. Someone who's willing to listen and learn a teachable spirit. Any of you who've ever been a teacher, it can be amusing in very young children, but it is painfully annoying in uh, older children. And with students, they should be fired or sacked or thrown out of uni if they have this attitude. And you know what I'm talking about? The attitude is, nothing you can teach me, I know it. I remember... um, David Ellis, who's not here, so I'll quote him, telling us that he got a big shock when he came back from Singapore, because in Singapore uh, and Malaysia and so on, he found that students were coming and they were asking him what he knew, and they wanted to be taught. He was the teacher, and they were there to learn. And when he came back to this country, students were coming and wanting to tell him what they knew, because it was about passing exams. It wasn't about learning. It was about, you know, getting your information, showing what you could do. and That's not a willing and teachable spirit. It happens in church as well. Again, I hope there aren't too many of you like this, but there are people who sit in sermons, and it's like they've got a a wee app on their phone that's a heresy checker. In fact, one of you could invent it. You'd make a fortune. And it's like, tick, got that right. Cross, got that wrong. You know, and you you just go through it. Tick, cross, tick, cross. There's nothing teachable about. Or you get in an argument with someone, maybe online or maybe just talking to them or whatever, and it's just everything's going over one another, and you're um, you're not learning anything. In fact, there's a really good question. I I was was thinking about this. 
when did I last learn something? Well, that's not fair because I've just been reading a brilliant book that I've learned lots. But, you know, in conversation with people or going into church and things, when did I have a spirit that was, that was willing and teachable? Because that's what a meek person is. Do you know that Jesus learned? He actually had to be taught. He was the son of God, but he became human. He learned obedience from what he suffered, but he also learned by going to the temple. He learned, he would have learned in the equivalent of school and synagogue. He learned, and we need teachable spirits. Somebody's argued this, that there is probably no more beautiful quality. It enhances manliness, adorns femininity, and is a jewel polished by grace. Meekness, says another man who I can't remember his first name was Trevor, I think Trevor Hamlet says this, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. And I love this from Andrew Murray. Men sometimes speak as if humility and meekness would rob us of what is noble and bold and manlike. Oh, that all would believe that this is the real nobility of the kingdom of heaven, that this is the royal spirit that the king of heaven displayed, that this is godlike to humble oneself to become the servant of all. Humility, says Trevor Hammock, is the nearly impossible task of being more concerned with our own sins than we are with the sins of others. It's therefore not easy. Look at the example of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you, Matthew eleven twenty nine, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I, I just, we just assume this so much. We know it, we think it, or if we think about it at all. But just think how extraordinary the meekness and humility of Jesus is. Because if anyone had the right to stand up and say, I am the greatest, if anyone had the right to squash people, if anyone had the right to boast about his own power and quality and so on. If anyone had the right to have the attitude that sometimes we think we deserve, it was Jesus. And yet he never did. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. I think sometimes we think the meekness and of Jesus, we sometimes think it's kind of fake, that it's put on. Because how could it be otherwise? This is the Son of God. This is, well, I don't think it's fake at all. I think it is clearly something that Christ felt and thought within himself. Um, Philippians 2 is just the classic example. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, being, uh, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind or the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who, 
being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The meekness of Christ is extraordinary. It is a a graciousness that is beyond politeness, beyond show. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1 says this, By the meekness and gentleness of Christ I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away, which is what he was being accused of. And... I think what Paul is doing there is reflecting something of the meekness and beauty of Jesus. There's a reward with this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, Psalm 37, verse 11 says the same thing. Verse 22, verse 29, verse 34 in that psalm. How do we inherit the earth? Because again, it's a contradictory thing. You inherit the earth if you conquer it. Uh, any of you who play computer games, and I'm sure you've got, all got more sense than that, but um, no one's invented a computer game that you win, you take over the world. Or if any of you play that daft game Risk, which causes more family fights than any other game in the history of the world. Um, bitter experience for my siblings, that is. Uh, you know, you, these games are all designed for conquest, and you've got to be strong and assertive. You're not, you don't, you're not meek. Oh, please, enter my city. Feel free. Have my tanks. Go ahead. No, you're assertive and, and aggressive. But here, we're told we're going to inherit the earth, not by being aggressive, not by, and this, by the way, is why Christianity is so different from Islam, because you can never spread Christianity by military force. Never. That's an absolute contradiction in terms The idea of a Christian terrorist doesn't make any sense. That's like asking for a square circle. It's meekness that wins. Imagine you're a Christian in Pakistan just now, and you're one of the two million, usually poor, and someone has planted a bomb that kills 70, 80 people in a public park just so they can get at you. Your instinct is to say, we've got to find our own Taliban. We've got to fight back. But it's not the Christian way. And it seems as though these poor Christians in Pakistan with so little political power, with no military power, with no arms or anything like that, what chance do they have? Well, we're told that they will inherit the earth. Because the choice is, we either possess the earth, or the earth will possess us. All things are ours, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. All things are already ours. We don't have to fight for them. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Whereas Isaiah 48.22 says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Very inter- I love reading historical biographies, and it's very interesting seeing some of the greatest authorities and powers and rulers in the world 
and they are disturbed people. They don't have peace. Uh, I was listening to a program on Radio 4, fascinating program about Alexander the Great of Greece who never lost a battle. Never. And beat with a, a tiny Greek army, beat the Persians, the Iranians, who had a million plus soldiers. And yet, he became an alcoholic. And he, he died young because he just had no peace. He could conquer the world. But it didn't matter. There was no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Now, I think this inherit the earth is not just our attitude now. It is ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. Romans 8 tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. Paul tells Timothy that if we suffer with Christ, we shall also reign with him. And Jesus himself says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's again why in Christian ministry, the idea of Christian superstars is so weird, and it's just so unbiblical and so wrong. Um, you know, you imagine, and, and I've seen it, and it just doesn't make any sense at all. People come in, preachers or, or worship leaders, and they come in and they're like rock stars, and you know, it's almost as though people fall down at their feet. But that's the wrong model of Christian leadership. The right model of Christian leadership is one that's exemplified, I think, by the greatest Christian leaders. I remember meeting John Stott and just being so impressed by his graciousness and humility. And I'll say this, Eric Alexander, some of you, many of you will know Eric Alexander. Uh, I used to love it. I used to hate it when Eric came here because to me he was the best preacher in Scotland. And uh, I would always say to Mr. Alexander, would you like to preach? No, no, David. I came to hear you, and I thought, no, no, <laughs> that's not good. Um, but what I loved about Eric Alexander, you could be in a room with him, and after five minutes, he made you feel as though you were the most important person on earth. There's this extraordinary ability and talent. He genuinely cared and, and asked and, and, and talked about you. People like me, we just often spend far too much time talking about ourselves. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, please understand about humbling yourself. It's not the cringing. It's not the, oh, I am a worm of the dust, or, oh, I'm just rubbish. I'm no use to anything. I'm not doing or saying anything. That's not what it is. What it is is having the attitude which recognizes our own weakness, but trusts absolutely in Christ to use us and bless us. Let me say one last thing about how we develop this particular characteristic. Does God want us to be meek? Yes, blessed are the meek, and He wants to bless us. But in order for us to be meek, the Lord may have to destroy our pride, our sense of self-sufficiency, and humble us. He sends trials, He reveals secret ambitions, and He uncovers reliance on ourselves. It's incredible, you know, how we just keep doing this. Those of you who are older Christians, this trap is for you as well. What happens is we're humbled, and so we ask the Lord for help, and the Lord gives us help, and things start going well, and then we get proud. And we just blow it all apart. And so the Lord has to humble us again so that we can learn that our reliance is on Him and not on ourselves. 
You cannot. You couldn't go. This would be the most disastrous service if you went away from here and said, right, okay, I need to be more meek. I'm going to be more meek tomorrow. And you just write down in your diary, if you have the sense to keep a diary, tomorrow is meek day. I'm going to be more meek. Um, It's not going to happen, and it's not going to work. Only the Spirit can make us meek. Now, that doesn't mean that we give up because we have the Spirit. So we develop the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Timothy 2, 24, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Says Paul, who was constantly arguing. Says Paul, who was constantly defending the faith. Because we read something like this and we go, okay, that means I've just got to back off. That means I shouldn't say anything. No, it means the attitude in which we defend is the key thing. Because when you and I discuss or argue or we have things, we we develop resentments. It becomes about us. There's bang, 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 bang. We bounce off each other and so on. But we should be concerned for the glory of God and we should be concerned for the people we are speaking to and we should be concerned for the honor of of Jesus Christ. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. I think we develop this characteristic by developing the fruit of the Spirit, and that is by growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Simple things like prayer and so on as well. I think we meditate and look upon the examples mentioned, and again, especially Christ. Now, I know it's trite to have the wee band that goes, what would Jesus do? But you should have that in your mind and in your heart. How would Christ react in this situation? Is my attitude Christ-like? Is it honoring to Christ? And then I think the way to develop this more than anything is to let Christ possess us wholly. And to say, Lord, speak through me. My natural inclination is to be like this. And I want to go your way. So fill me with your Spirit. Grant me the fruit of the Spirit. And may what I do and what I say reflect that. It's, you know, I I find it amazing when looking at the Sermon on the Mount at how many non-Christians or kind of easy-ozy Christians in some ways go, oh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. That's so easy compared with the harsh stuff in the Bible. To me, this is harder than anything in the Bible because I look at this and I think, I'm not there. And the Word of God's like a mirror and you look in the mirror and you think, well, am I even a Christian? And that's where the whole grace and the, the, the glory and the beauty of Christ comes in because he forgives us and he uses us and he teaches us and he moves us. So here's a challenge. Ask the Lord to bless you, which is what I hope you often ask, but ask him to bless you by making you meek. And then once you've written the touch paper, stand back and see what happens. Because I think the Lord will always, the Lord will always grant what is, what is His will. Ask Him to give you the strength of meekness and the meekness of Jesus Christ. And if you are not, you're here and you're not a believer, 
And some of this, it, some of it, to be honest, seems quite attractive, but some of it seems a little bit strange and you're not sure what it's all about. All I will say is this, that you need Jesus Christ. And in his meekness and his grace and his strength, he invites you to come to him. He knows your burdens and he says, bring me your burdens. And in his meekness, he takes them. You must take Christ. So, those of us who are believers, I'll, I'll finish with saying this. Maybe we've got a wee bit of repentance to do in terms of our attitudes. Maybe our arrogance and pride are things that have been getting in the way of our relationship with God. And maybe God just brought you here this evening so that he could say to you, you want to be blessed, then seek the meekness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We confess that we know the words, we know the ideas, and yet in our heart of hearts and in our attitudes and in our reactions, and probably even tomorrow when we go to work, when we meet our friends, the old aggressiveness and pride, bitterness, self-absorption will not be long before it raises its head again. And we ask that you would gently instruct us, that you would not squash us or destroy us, but that you would enable us to see what it is to walk humbly before the Lord our God and to be holy and to live for Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.